We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by TheraOne CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. We are recording after a very frustrating Game 1 loss. Uh, Lakers fell to the Blazers 100-93 to in a game in which they shot 5-4-32 from three-point range. And... Didn't shoot that much better from free throw, uh, from the free throw line, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, Darius, how much of this game is just like we missed open shots? Some of it. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's an important. It, it's, it's not the entire game. It's certainly super important. Um, but it's the type of shot like these. So many of them are open looks. Did you see how much they were packing the paint? Yes. This impacts LeBron's drives to the rim. This impacts AD. Well, right? this is. It, there's a lot of strategy stuff that happened in this game that 
if it continues, will be telling. And like and what? cuts into the Lakers' ability to, I don't want to say to win the series, but it makes their lives so much harder, right? And so, like, for one, Portland got away with playing, like, Whiteside and Nurkic together for mm-hmm. for big minutes. Um, and the Lakers are typically not... So, we've... T- like this has been a theme during the entire year that you and I have discussed when we've talked about the types of teams that the Lakers struggle against offensively, right? Um, and particularly LeBron, but I think this funnels into Anthony Davis as well, in that when the paint is too packed, the Lakers are built to pressure the front of the rim. And when the paint is filled with big bodies that just becomes harder and you need ways to loosen up the defense. And the best way to do that is by hitting outside shots. And Portland seemed determined to give the Lakers those outside shots. And that was clearly a part of their game plan. So in, and the Lakers did not make them pay at all. In fact, it, they were so negative from behind the arc that it just it it only emboldened the Blazers more to continue to pack the paint even when the Lakers played lineups that in theory need to be defended from behind the arc right and in so theory. in theory well I'm just saying that you you know like when the Lakers went on their nice little spurt during the first half to close that gap like Markeith Morris was on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. He had a really good first half and he hit a three and then he and and and, and he attacked a closeout and got that nice little up and under and won with that nice like righty layup. And there were some things that were happening out there where when the Lakers shift to those sort of stretch four lineups with either Kuzma playing power forward or Morris playing power forward and with AD at center, those are the lineups that are supposed to spread out the defense in order to open up driving lanes for LeBron. The Blazers, though, continued to pack the paint. They did it, w- and they did it with their wings and with their guards, and, and like, well, they did it with everyone, right? And the Lakers simply were not able to make them pay by hitting enough three well, mm-hmm. well, three pointers, right? So five for 34 is a horrendous number. Like the last three or four of those were sort of like in crunch time where honestly the Lakers sort of started to rush up threes. Like they had a couple of bad possessions at the end and then um, they fired off a couple of threes as well. And so let's just say that they were five for 30 in like real moments of the game. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's still a horrendous number, right? If two or three or four or more of those threes go in, imagine if they're nine for thirty. That's still Bro, terrible. It's still terrible, but that and changes we win the game. Mm-hmm. But but that changes the outcome of that. Likely changes the outcome of the game. And if those threes come at a particular time in the game, it might actually 
loosen things up for the Lakers in in a way that has like tangible like domino effects for them. Sure. But instead it was the opposite of that. And like I said, their continued misses only emboldened the Blazers to pack the paint even more. And even if one or two of those did go in at that point, that wasn't going to change their mind. No, they're going to do the same thing in game two. Yes. They have and to. They should. They should and they have to. And that's why, like, I <laughs> that's part of the look, like the preview we did. I, I, I told you, oh man, I love that pod because we really got into the weeds about details of defending Dame, which I thought we did like I thought we did an okay job on him in, in this game. He's still they gonna put up his much. numbers, right? They, they fouled foul too, too much. much. They yes. fouled too much. And I think that that was one of the things that um that was really big for the Blazers in terms of being a bellwether for them offensively. You, yes. you know, the, when the Lakers really started to put the clamps on them defensively at the end of the first quarter and then even into the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, we did really well in the non-Dame minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a point where the Blazers hadn't hit a field goal in the second quarter, but they had hit 10 mm-hmm. free throws, right? right? So you can't... So you like you you simply cannot allow them to prop up their offense in other ways when you actually hold them down in the ways that you plan to. Well, even then, we they scored a hundred points, man. You hold the Portland Trailblazers to a hundred points, you need to win that game, right? That's a- and that's why the point that I was making was like. I, I loved in that la- in the last pod how we were got into all the details of the, uh, this. I don't know how many different ways I need. I'm gonna have to say like you can't shoot five for thirty two from three, and shoot the way that we did from the free throw line, especially in that fourth quarter. That that because everything everything that Portland's doing collapses if we shoot below average from three. Not even average. Certainly not even good. But if we just shoot, because it's the types of threes as a ro- result of them collapsing the paint, as a result of them playing two fairly slow-footed bigs and taking away some, like we shot very poorly on our putbacks, in part because they've got a lot of size down there contesting it. It wasn't just Gary Trent and CJ and Dame trying to drop down and sandwich. There were two big lineups, right? They they had some size around the hoop to kind of prevent those putbacks from, from being successful. And... But all of it collapses if we, like, I feel like if most teams in this bubble got those 32 threes that we got, they make 13 of them, 14 of them on an average night. Because it's not just percentage, it's like what types of threes, how good are the looks that you're getting. And that was what was so maddening about it, especially when it's coming from guys who are not providing ball handling ability, who are not providing uh, any other degree of shot creation. If you don't get anything at all, you're smiling at me. You see how I, I have to dance around a, a little bit. But um, like if you're not giving anything, like what is it that those guys are providing? And then it comes to like, who do you turn to? Do we turn to Dion? Do we turn to J.R. Smith? Neither of whom were in the rotation in this first game. Um, like, and just, honestly, that just can't happen again. No, so like, I, 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 you were very politic there. Like, Danny Green and KCP are the Lakers' three and D players. 
right? I thought Danny did okay defensively. I thought he mm-hmm. did okay, right? Like mm-hmm. that was a question that you and I had on the last pod about how well Danny Green was going to be able to hold up defensively. Um, he had he started the game and he had a couple of of just sort of you you know normal looking defensive possessions against Dame. He had some okay defensive possessions against CJ. CJ got some against Danny as well, but CJ is a wonderful offensive player. He's going to get his against most defensive guys. So I wasn't necessarily concerned about that, but Danny Green offensively is paid to shoot the ball. KCP offensively is paid to shoot the ball. You, you know, Danny Green was four for 12. He was two for eight from three. That's a bad night. Another, you, you know, like, so another make though from three and he's three for eight, two more makes and he's 50%. Like that, that feels like a lot. Danny Green did not inspire confidence tonight. Just by the way that he was shooting the ball, I did not expect really any of his threes to go in, which is a bad place to be in with, well, mm-hmm. with Danny Green. It, it was just a feeling that as the game went on, his shots were not going to fall. And that's a tough look because if I'm feeling that from my couch, then on the court, you know, the players are, are, are sort of sensing that as well. There was a play late in the game where Danny was wide open in the corner and LeBron looked right off of him and passed yeah. to Caruso at the top, top, top of the key. Now, someone in my mentions was basically saying he thought LeBron was was playing like ahead of the defense and he thought the defense was going to rotate to Danny, but instead they stuck with with Caruso. But if that's the case, then the defense stuck with Alex Caruso and did not rotate to Danny Green. And and so however something way, in and of itself. So, yeah, right. so however way you play that out, that's bad, right? Either either Braun looked him off or the defense didn't even rotate to him. Either way, that's that's bad. But KCP was 0 for 9, man. He was 0 for 9 and and none of his shots None of his two-point shots were really quality looks, and all of his th- and some of his threes were just like you're paid to make those. I'm sorry, like I I don't want to bury him here, but you can't go 0 for nine. You can't play 29 minutes and, and what make a free throw and score a single point. That can't be your output if you're a starting guard in the NBA who is who is in theory in the starting lineup to provide some scoring ballast, right? Like you're not out there as Rajon Rondo, who is providing these other things, right? Or you're not out there and you're Alex Caruso and you, and you're playing this more well-rounded floor game, right? Like you're not bringing the ball up. You're not initiating offensive sets. You're not running a bunch of pick and rolls, you're spotting up as a shoe shooter and you're attacking closeouts. He needed to be better tonight and he wasn't. And that's a tough look, you you know? And so when you're starting guards, when you're starting guards combined to go four for 21. And, and that's, and that's their role. And that's their role. And they're the only, th- 
you, they they are the three point shooting in your starting lineup. And from behind the arc, they combine to go two for thirteen. Like, look, man, like you're playing the Blazers. They've got Dame and CJ on the other side. The expectation isn't that you're going to match them, but the expectation is that you're going to chip into what they do a little bit in order to give the rest of your team enough balance so that so that LeBron and AD can be better versions of of themselves, right? Because right. LeBron and AD were doing their jobs in order to get you guys the types of looks that you needed to make and they didn't go down to the night and that's a, that there's no other way to put it man there's no sugar coating that like and it's not being mean to just say it that's just the facts they needed to be better and they weren't you hope they'll be better on thursday we'll see so you tweeted something out about you're optimistic uh regardless of of the result tonight let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll look ahead to game two and see your reasons for optimism as I see them as well, as frustrating as tonight was. Uh, even, you know, I think that the shooting will normalize. Yeah, we'll get into it. Let's take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands how it feels to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the USA, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com backslash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. So yeah, man, 5 for 32 is not going to happen every night, although it's happened an alarmingly... Uh, with alarming frequency in the bubble, at least those really bad nights. And both Green and KCP, the nature of them as shooters, and this is something that we said going into this, they are very hot and cold. So if both of them go cold at the same time as they were tonight, that's where we can run into some issues. But by and large, they will not shoot 5 for 32 
particularly often. What do you see going forward? Uh, not just reasons for optimism, but just like how, how now that we've got one game under our belts, it's not all theoretical anymore. Where do we go from here? I mean, look, man. The reason why I said that I'm optimistic is because the Lakers honestly played about as poorly as they could play this game. They went on one good run. Um, It was fueled by defense. It was fueled by when they went smaller. And we can talk as much about how the other team didn't play well either, but they won the game, right? And so they're they're probably feeling good about themselves and also thinking we didn't play that well and we won the game. Well, I honestly don't think the Lakers could have played much worse offensively, at least. And if you're starting all the way at the bottom, like I just think things are going to be a little bit better the next game. I thought that, you know, there were just so many little things that the Lakers did poorly that I think the Blazers contributed to that, but I also think that some of that was just the Lakers just missing shots and not playing well. Like, look, man, Anthony Davis went 8 for 24, Danny Green was 4 for 12, KCP was 0 for 9, Kuzma was 5 for 14, Alex Caruso was 1 for 6, right? Even Dwight Howard was 2 for 5. Dwight Howard shot like 70% this season, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and granted, um, Dwight's going up against a big dude in Whiteside. And so Whiteside mm-hmm. is going to challenge him in ways right. sort of similar to the way that like Boban has given Dwight some weird issues this year just because he's just a massive human being. Whiteside's just a big dude who's got long arms and challenges shots. But I just think, man, like, AD's going to hit a couple more of those mid-range jumpers. He's Some of those chippies are going to fall. I think the Lakers are going to find ways to get him the ball more often and let him go to work. I actually thought the Lakers played a style with Anthony Davis where they were anticipating him getting double teamed more, and he just mm-hmm. didn't. And I actually think that... that AD was probably thinking the double is coming or he just looked a bit more hesitant than what I thought he might considering the types of coverages that he saw. And he can just play better. LeBron can play better. Like, and I know that the guys on Portland side can say the same, but I thought the Lakers' defensive game plan was sound. I thought mm-hmm. they executed it well. Yep. I I thought it was clear that LeBron was engaged defensively. I thought Anthony Davis was engaged defensively. I thought Our Alex, rotations were good. We didn't give up a lot of open shots. I thought Alex Caruso was really good defensively. Mm-hmm. You you know on both on Dame and on CJ, like Dame cooked AC like in the first half, but. Mm-hmm. Like in that first shift where they were matched up, I thought Dame real like really took it to, to he did, and, and they did a lot of what you said that they would do in our preview pod where they worked Dame off of the ball a lot more when against Caruso Alex, and, yeah. and they ran him off off a bunch of screens. But 
Caruso held up pretty well in high screen screen and roll actions. He got mm-hmm. burned a little bit in in isolation, but Dame's going to do that to almost any defender, right? You can't hand check. You sure. can't put your hands on him. And so I thought the Lakers played well defensively, just like you said. They only gave up 100 points. The Blazers actually came into this game as the top-ranked offense in the bubble, right? So they were like, they posted an offensive efficiency of like 120 or or something crazy. like. And they'll be better on offense too. I just don't think that, uh, yeah, I like their shot quality was not as good as our shot quality. And over a seven-game series, that tends to, even out, it's just, you know, got to make open shots. You've got to make make the shots. And look, I'm going to say this point blank and as straightforward as, as it can be said. If the Lakers shoot this poorly over the course of a series, they will we're gonna lose. lose. Yeah, we're going to lose. Yeah. And, and that's just what it is. And if the Lakers play, look, man, the Lakers were one of like two teams or three teams who were in the top five of offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, like for most of the season, right? Like it was them. It was like the Bucks, uh, the Clippers hovered around there. The Raptors hovered around there, but like you, you're talking about the best teams in the league. If, if the Lakers are suddenly going to be one of the worst offenses in the league, then guess what? They're right. not going to be very good. <laughs> and like, it's, this isn't going to last that long, right? Yeah. Bro, we scored 37 points in the second half. And the Blazers are not a good defensive team. And just, oh, I'm so frustrated. They now, just, from a system, yes, they need to make shots. From a, I think what we do well and what we did well in this game on the offensive end was crash the boards. We had a 17 to 5 advantage on the offensive boards. And I think that that's going to be probably close to the case pretty much every game and that's somewhere where we can really uh you know we can build off of that because again a nine for 32 night is probably a victory for us as opposed to a a five for 32 night and five nine for 32 still is not not that good as we said earlier so uh I, i do think that the lakers ability to put pressure on the rim and to ability to necessitate those that completely collapsed paint like we were still getting offensive boards and we were still doing damage on the inside it's just when that second ingredient is totally missing it's like flying a plane with one wing it's just not going to work i think that there are schematic adjustments too that vogel is going to need to make offensively and i don't necessarily mean from a rotation standpoint although we should talk about some rotation stuff but i do think that they need to try to get AD the ball more on the move. Mm-hmm. Um, totally agree. You you know, he... I like th- our ball screen stuff that we did today. I thought like our ball screens, ball screen game with LeBron and AD worked really well. It'd be nice to see more of that. I would like to see more of that. I'd also like to see them do more of what they did in the pick and roll in the Celtics game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and And in games after... When they played the Celtics, like when they played the Bucks, um, Portland plays a drop coverage, like in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see them sort of use, like take a play from the Celtics playbook where they basically do a screen and roll. But when the roll man goes down the paint, he's basically just trying to pick off 
the center who mm-hmm. is in drop coverage, right? And, and LeBron got a layup and a dunk against the Bucks that way because that's basically the coverage that that the Bucks play. Um, I think they need to be even more aggressive in transition. I put this in my game preview for game one, but um, and this is a stat from Cleaning the Glass, uh, Ben Falk site, but the Blazers were one of the they were one of the worst transition defense teams off of live rebounds mm-hmm. this year. Um, both Nurkic and Whiteside are are sort of slow footed. They do not change ends well. I do think LeBron needs to engage more off of the backboards and and really look to push the pace a little bit more. I think that mm-hmm. AD and JaVale especially if JaVale's going to start the game man like he needs to use those springy legs and he needs to try to rim run every mm-hmm. single time. Like he needs to basically have one goal in mind. I'm going to beat Nurkic up the court. Like mm-hmm. and, that's a great way of putting he, it. And he needs to run that way every single possession. That the ball comes off the rim, if he rebounds, he needs to be looking for the outlet, and he needs to all-in-one motion get his butt up the floor. And I think the Lakers need to push the ball a little bit more against this team. You know, not not necessarily to play faster, but to get them in scramble mode. The Blazers are not a great defensive team, but if you walk the ball up the court and then you allow them to pack the paint against you, it's only going to put more pressure on LeBron and AD to make shots from 15 feet and out. And then when they do crash and and they do collapse, then the the Lakers shooters are going to start to feel that pressure a little bit more. Like, it'd be great if some of the threes that they got were, like, open in transition, right? Where mm-hmm. they're running Get the Danny lane. Green stepping into some of those threes, right? Like he's great at that. And yeah, so that's a good point. There are things that Vogel can stress and adjust from game one to game two that, that, that have nothing to necessarily do with his lineups, right? Like there are ways to, to play more two man game with AD and LeBron, do it from, do it from the wing instead of the top of the floor, mm-hmm. right? Like play, play more, play like play more two man on single side basketball where the where the floor is spaced and like where there's three guys opposite side and then you're running more side screen and roll action with well with Braun and AD. There are things that there are just little tweaks that they can do that that are already part of their normal offense but they didn't get to many of those actions this game mm-hmm. instead it was a lot of of top of the floor stuff where the whole defense is in front of you and yeah. help can come from every angle right and i just thought that the lakers handled a lot of that stuff poorly mostly by missing shots but but in general i think that they can change the geometry of the floor some in order to get better like better looks right and this is what the yeah. playoffs are man like you're not going to win every single game especially when the lakers have not been playing at their best to this point and this is where the adjustments start to come in sure like was i super encouraged by this game like 
not necessarily, but mm-hmm. there were things where I thought, man, like one of the reasons why this is so frustrating, right, was because I just thought they're bet they're actually just better than this. They really played below. They played below a level that you would expect for as hard as they were actually playing. And, mm-hmm. and 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 if there's a reason to be encouraged, it's that that's rarely been the case this season, right? Sure. There have been games where they've played hard and not played well, but that doesn't happen too often. That's No, that's a great point. I think, I mean, a lot of this may come down to, to this is the danger of waiting as long as we did to ramp up. We faced a team that has played pretty much every game in the bubble, has been a do-or-die game for the Blazers. Whether they've won or not, it's been a very crucial game. And so they started that game in fourth gear, and we started that game in first gear. And I don't think it was a coincidence we ended up down double digits early on in the game as a result of that. Um, I do think that this has given us our wake-up call. I like your idea about sideball screens. That's somewhere where rather than doing that up top, having that on the side but again that you'll get zoned up you'll get strong side zones on that and it all comes down to all right well are they going to make the shot on the skip pass right because i like we can there are things schematically that we can do and all of that but at the end of the day like you know what i'm saying like I, i wish i had more analysis about this game and i was happy with how we defended and that's something that we can build off of but any version of this high ball screen okay we're gonna roll the basket with ad because they gotta play a drop because they got slow-footed bigs and they gotta tag hard on that from the weak side okay then skip pass over to one of our shooters are they going to make the shot yeah that's really what it comes to every version of this comes down to and it's not just kcp it's not just danny green it's lebron ad was 0 for 5 from three caruso's shot very poorly in the bubble I'd feel better about the, oh, this is a one-time thing type thing had we played better in the bubble. But we haven't played, like, a good game in five months. You know? When you say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I do say it that way. You got anything else, man, before we uh, send send it on home? Yeah, I do. Um, I just want to throw this in there. There's a reason why... Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith didn't play this game. Mm-hmm. The The reason is because they're not, they have not shown that they're good enough defensively to play in this series to in the minutes that they played up to when this series started, especially right? with the bubble. Yeah. Like if I actually thought that waiters could hold up defensively, even against like Gary Trent jr that I would say, like, give him a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. But but Waiters just, he just wasn't there defensively. Now, maybe Vogel will go to him next game, right? Especially if KCP or Danny Green start 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 again. It may necessitate, like, a a quicker hook with those guys. Um, and And then you may need to expand your bench, right? I'll be very interested to see... You you know, Rondo has apparently been cleared to play. Like, we'll see if he gets thrown into the mix and, and into the fire some, and if playoff Rondo can rise like a phoenix from the ashes of, of a broken thumb, right? Like, we'll see. I do think, though, that 
in the end, when it comes right down to it, it's not just about necessarily making shots and everything else because it is that. But the guys and Vogel, this was a kick in the mouth, and mm-hmm. I'll and I'll be one of the things that I've thought about this team this year, and we've talked about it a lot, is that they have been resilient and they have shown a certain mental toughness this season. And then if there's a time to be resilient and a time to show your mental toughness, it's when you're down 0-1 in a playoff mm-hmm. series, right? There That's is right. no home court advantage for either team, right? And right. So- That's the thing is like the gym, there being no crowd, anything like that, any of the what makes this weird, it's the same for everybody. You know, That's right. like it's... it. The one thing I will say, man, about especially Dion, is we're going to have to put the ball in the bucket, and we're going to have to probably not be completely reliant on on LeBron James to create every shot that we get. So maybe that's Rondo, right? Maybe Rondo comes in to do that. But Waiters is also a really good spot up shooter. Now, I like I understand where you're coming from. You're not wrong. They will hunt that. I feel like there are some like second quarter lineups where, yeah, you know, what, like maybe we can we can get away with it. Just if if KCP and Danny Green stay this cold, it's going to force the hand there. For yeah, both Dion and, and Jr. Like wait, like there's there's only so long that this can go on offensively from a shooting standpoint before it becomes yeah, but this is a bigger problem, you know. No, that's right. And I only said what I said because I thought that Vogel looked at this game clearly as a game where he thought his defense was playing good enough. And I think that that gets us back to the point that you made earlier, that the Blazers scored 100 points. Mm -hmm. That's a game where the Lakers only needed to score 101 to win, and they only scored 93. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so so if if you play this game out, you know, a hundred times, maybe the Lakers don't shoot as poorly and they win some some of these, right? My bet is that Vogel thought these are the guys I can trust defensively, mm-hmm. and I've seen them hit enough shots over the course of of this season that I'm going to let them go out there and go rather than say let's put Dion Waiters or J.R. Smith in the game. That like that was really the gist of what I was trying to get to. Now, sure. the point that you made is 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 definitely right right on point and that at some point if it gets to that point, I should say that you can't cut off your nose to spite your face, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you're going to have to say, well, we're going to have to give up some defense maybe in order to get more productive offensive guys out there. Let me it, just say this. On Thursday, it'd be very nice if Danny Green hit hit his first three and if KCP got to the rim and maybe or hit a little pull-up pull jumper. The Lakers didn't run that handoff set once the mm, entire mm. game, man. And against a drop coverage... I would have liked to have seen it. There's just stuff that they just didn't really do today. And I don't know if that what like what that was. The game just went in a different direction for them. But I can guarantee you that when Vogel and this coaching staff are crunching the tape on this and you know they're doing it right now, 
right this second, right as we're recording this pod, that they're going to probably be kicking themselves about the things that they see on tape that they that they could have tweaked or done a little bit differently. And I expect adjustments next game. I do. All right. Uh, let's certainly hope so. And, and I mean, <laughs> again, I'd love to, to add more. You added a lot more from the X's and O's standpoint. Like I'm happy with the shots we got, man. Like just got to make your shots. So, uh, let's it's hope a we make can or do miss that. league. It's a it make or, a make miss, or league. miss league. So let's hope we do some, some making in on Thursday in game two. Certainly gonna, they got our attention. The Portland Trailblazers certainly got our attention. Um, All right, guys. Until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know... Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, one, Bryant. Unbelievable. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?